powerful video of the gold star moms and dads whose sons or daughters lost their lives in service to the country. And as I walked through Abraham Lincoln Cemetery on Thursday, different sections of that cemetery, looking for people standing there at the graves, stopping my car to wander over to them, talk to them. And ultimately, after I had asked for information, I asked them what they believed about the ones they had loved and lost. And every single one of the six that I spoke to had the faith in the resurrection. They had the faith that they would see their loved one again. She called me three weeks ago and she was frantic, frantic, frantic. She said, Pastor, you have to get over here right now. And I said, is it time for John to go? He had been under hospice care. I'd visited him three or four times the last couple of months. She said, no, it's not time yet. But he just told me something, and I'm frantic. He just told me he wasn't sure whether he believed in heaven. In fact, he said, I don't believe in heaven. Can you come over? And when I came over, I, I said, John, I thought we had talked about this. I thought I'd ask you whether you believed in life after this life. I thought we had talked about that. He said, Pastor, when it comes down to it, you have to prove it to me. I have to see the facts. If you can prove to me that heaven exists, then I will believe. I said, John, I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, do you believe in God? And John said, yeah, of course I believe in God. Someone made all of this. I certainly believe in God. And then I said, let me give you a second question, John. Do you think that God can lie? He said, excuse me. <laughs> I said, do you think that God can lie? He said, no, it would not be possible for him to lie. There would be no point of it. His moral situation would be that he could not lie. I said, so John, you believe in God, you believe he cannot lie. And he said, yes. I said, let me share with you a verse. And I shared with him the verse we just read for the gospel. Jesus saying, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you in my father's house, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me that you might be where I am. And I said, John, do you think that Jesus lied in this verse? And he said, no, there'd be no way that he could lie about that. And then I shared with him John eleven twenty five. I'm the resurrection and life. He that believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever, John, whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you think he lied about that? And he said, no, he did not. And I said, let me share one other with you. The thief on the cross, he turns to the man when the man says, I believe in you, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you think Jesus lied to him? 
And John said, no, it would not be possible. I said, John, you believe in God. You believe he cannot lie. Do you believe that there is heaven? Do you believe there is life after this life? And he smiled. And he said, you got me. I believe in heaven. It has been five years since I preached about that place called heaven. Was it just the theme of one particular book of the Bible? Was it the theme of one particular writer? Was it just the Apostle Paul who was obsessed with heaven? He's the one who wrote 1 Corinthians 15. Was it just him? Was he the only one who believed that there was life after this life in a place called heaven? He writes so poignantly in 1 Corinthians 15. I had not read it for a while. It is astonishing when you look at his argument. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, then we are the most foolish of all people. Because if Christ is not raised, then what we speak about God is a lie. And the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's who Jesus was speaking to. Was it just Paul? No. The Gospel writer John, he weighed in on it. The most important verse in the Bible, John eleven twenty five. Having a son up in heaven these 14 years, it is for me the most important verse in the Bible. And every funeral service I ever do, I always say this is the most important verse in the Bible. And when I've shared it with the people who are grieving the loss of a loved one, they are nodding their heads furiously, yes, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall Never die. That was John. He he and Paul were in sync with regards to the resurrection. Was it just those two? Why don't we throw in Matthew? What about throwing in Matthew? Matthew chapter 25, the last parable Jesus ever spoke. Matthew made sure that got into his gospel. And in Matthew 25, Jesus says to those on his right hand, Come inherit the kingdom that I have prepared for you. What kingdom did he prepare? Heaven. If you look carefully at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, heaven is mentioned 192 times in those four Gospels. 10% of all the verses in the Gospel are about everlasting life. 3% of the verses are about hell. And 87% of the verses in the Gospels speak about how to navigate this life for your Lord and Savior in relationship to God, in relationship to each other. 10% of the verses in the Gospel, they pertain to life after this life. I have said it at every funeral I've ever done, closing in on a thousand, including John's funeral and my dad's funeral and my mom's funeral. I said it yesterday, three o'clock in the afternoon, a funeral out there at Kurt's funeral home. I said to the family about Ken Christensen, you do not say goodbye to him on this day. 
You say, until I see you again. And why do you say that? Why is that your mantra? Why do I say every morning, one day closer to seeing you again, John? Why are these our mantras? Because we believe in God and we believe that He cannot lie. And He is the one that tells us, even though you die, yet shall you live. And whosoever lives and believes in Me shall never die. Blessed to have been here for some 34 years come January 1st. And this past week I decided to go through my records. Over 900 funerals of members of this church. And I sat and thought that if all 900 were still here, that'd be quite a congregation. 900 who worship their Lord up in heaven. We do not say goodbye to them. We say until we see you again. One of the first funerals I ever did here was for Lynn Strank's dad. And before that funeral started, it was Mrs. Strank out there and she was leaning over the casket. She was just laying on top of her husband. And she was there for about five minutes and I looked at Lynn and Lynn looked at me and, and I said, you know, I thought maybe she couldn't get up. And Len walked over to her and, and put his arm around her and he whispered in her ear, Mama, we'll see him again. And she bolted straight upright and her eyes were all lit up and she said, you are absolutely correct. We will see him again. And she came marching on in here. A great many people imagine that anything said about heaven is a matter of speculation. They talk about heaven as they would talk about the air. My response to that statement, I do not believe there would be so much in the Bible about heaven if God had wanted to leave us in the dark about that place. You say, Pastor, you've only mentioned the New Testament. Is it only in the New Testament they talked about heaven? Let me bring you Abraham. 2,200 years before Jesus died on that cross, when Abraham is ready to offer his son Isaac, it says in the book of Hebrews that Abraham believed if he killed his son that God could raise him from the dead. You have David 900 years before Jesus is born. You know the 23rd Psalm. If there's one requested him at funerals, it's him, 801, how great thou art. And if there's one Scripture reading that is requested, it is Psalm 23. David speaks about the resurrection 900 years before Jesus is born. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and when this life is over, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Abraham, David, Job... Job 19.25, 400 years before Jesus is born, Job writes, I know that my Redeemer, first time Redeemer is mentioned in the Bible, I know that my Redeemer lives. And though after skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see with my own eyes and not another. What it meant to me when I talked with those at the cemetery 
on Thursday what it meant to me when a daughter said about her grandpa, he went down in World War I, but I know I'll see him again. And the 78-year-old whose husband died in the war, I know I'll see him again. One after another. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, I would not have you ignorant concerning those that have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve as those who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so shall God take with Him all those that have fallen asleep in Jesus. When someone dies... That is the question. Will I see him again? Where are they? Where have they gone? And you turn to God's Word because there is no other book, all other books written by men, their philosophies, their imaginations. But the Bible written by God Himself, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Romans 15.4 These things written in the past have been written in order to encourage us so that through endurance and encouragement of the promises of God, you and I might have hope. When John wanted proof as to whether there was a heaven, where else do you turn but to God's Word? Do you believe in Him? Do you think that He can lie? Where else do you turn? Who's in heaven? The saints. We read it last week. All Saints Sunday. Why do we celebrate it? Because in Christian community believes there is a spiritual bond between the saints in heaven, washed clean by the blood of Christ, and the saints here on this earth. That's what All Saints Sunday is about in the Christian community. Spiritual bond between those in heaven and those here on this earth. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Are you hosting? Raise your hand if you're hosting Thanksgiving. Look at you guys. I'll be over. What time? How many of you are traveling for Thanksgiving, going to someone else's house? Raise the hand. Look at you. You got off the hook. It's good. Why do you look forward to going to someone's house? Why? Is it because they have a nice green grassy front yard? Is it because their backyard is landscaped? Do they have beautiful paintings on the wall? Can you hardly wait to get there on Thanksgiving to look at the paintings they have on the wall? Do they have fancy furniture? Why do you go... There's only one reason your heart is connected with the people that are going to be there. Even crazy Uncle Joe, your heart is connected with those people. That's why you go. That's what fills the home. I've always said Thanksgiving my favorite holiday because the secular world doesn't intrude in it. It's about two things. It's about faith in God, right? Pastor, can you write me a a prayer for Thanksgiving? I'm supposed to pray this year, okay? 
It's about faith in God, and it's about the people around that table, your family and your friends. Bill Richards always argued with me. He said, you forgot the other two F's, football and food. I said, Bill, that sounds like you. It's about faith and it's about family. Tell me this. Revelation 21, it talks about heaven. Streets of gold, walls of jasper, amethyst. The list goes on for 12 verses. Tell me this. Can you hardly wait to get to heaven so you can see the streets of gold? Can you hardly wait to get to heaven to see the walls of pearl? Or can you hardly wait to get to heaven because you'll see Jesus face to face and you'll be looking over his shoulder and you'll say, excuse me, Jesus, my wife's behind you, my son's behind you, my daughter's behind you, my baby's behind you. My brother's behind you. My sister's behind you. My best friend on this earth is behind you. Excuse me, Jesus. Do you mind? And that leads me to the last point. Will you know your loved ones in heaven? And the answer is an absolute yes. Jesus was speaking one day, and Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, He said, you will be standing in the presence of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham had been dead for 2,100 years. And Jesus said, you'll be standing in the presence of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob... They had been dead 15, 1,600 years. And Jesus said, you'd be standing in the presence of Isaac and Jacob. Still calling them by name. Is he lying? Is it possible for Jesus to lie? I don't think so. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus going to Jerusalem to the cross, Satan jumps on his back, He's not sweating drops of blood yet, but the pressure is coming upon him and Satan is whispering in his ear. And he goes up the mountain. Who does God send? He sends Moses. Moses, 1500 B.C. He sends Elijah, 800 B.C. He sends Moses and Elijah. And what do Moses and Elijah say to Jesus? You must be going to the cross or else we wouldn't be here. Didn't Paul say, if there is not a resurrection from the dead, then we are lost. John is lost, and Bill is lost, and my mom is lost, and my dad is lost, and your loved ones are lost. Paul says it specifically in the Bible. Moses and Elijah must go to the cross because if you don't, we're not here. And maybe when Jesus saw Moses and Elijah... We need visuals, right? Maybe Jesus needed that visual. Moses, Elijah, I saw you in heaven before I came down to this earth, and here you stand. There is nothing quite like grief. 
And having been through it, I understand it like I never understood it before. The promise and the hope of heaven. Dick leaves me notes every once in a while as I come up here late at night. And he left me this note on the door. And it says, Someday we will be held by the same hands that created us. And when that happens, we will be home. Someday we'll be held by the same hands that created us. And when that happens, then we will be home. In our Savior's name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, why did you die? Because of man's sins. Why does the Bible talk about confession being the most important thing one can do? Because then you say, thank you Jesus for dying for my sins. It is the only thing that could have separated me from you. And when those sins are confessed, when God knows in our heart like the thief on the cross that we believe in Him, then God grants us the reason for Jesus' death and resurrection. He grants His children everlasting life. When our heart beats for the last time, when our lungs breathe for the last time, then God works yet another miracle. He lifts us up to heaven. He will not let Satan, He will not let death bring an end to that which He created. He lifts us up to heaven as He Himself has promised. And Abraham's there, and Isaac is there, and Jacob is there, and Moses is there, and Elijah is there. But I have specific ones that I want to lay my eyes upon again. They are there because Jesus cannot lie. In our Savior's name, Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.